Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I'm excited today and fired up. We got a 911 responder in the house, a police officer that is transitioning into real estate, been doing real estate for years now, and several dozen properties over the years of fix and flips, majority, and transitioning into more buy and holds, Airbnb, also converting properties into you know more units, which is awesome. Based out of Canada, Ontario, right? Ontario. That's it. Yeah. Ontario. Yeah. Ontario, Canada. Very excited though to to be able to have you on. What's happening, Dave? How are you, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. Things are still warm up here. I'm just yeah. outside of Toronto. So yeah, nothing to complain about quite yet. But in a couple of months, I'm sure I will. Have yeah. Something to complain about. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. So talk to me. Why real estate first off? And then I want to hear more about, you know, the police journey. I'm sure you got some good stories with that. Yeah. So I guess first off, yeah, I've been a police officer. I'm in my 11th year now. I'm just doing the shift work grind and I still enjoy the job, but I've just always kind of wanted a little bit more. And sometimes that more comes with, you know, a price tag. So whether it be more time, more resources, the ability to travel more, that sort of thing, not work overtime, you know, it's been a slow progression, but it's been a natural, fun progression too. And which started, you know, many years ago getting single family homes and kind of renting that out and literally not even being able to afford to live in it and buy furniture. So I actually purchased a townhouse and then lived at home for a couple of years so I could save for like furniture and that sort of thing. So I kind of like fell into being a landlord right off the bat, not even realizing what the heck I was doing. But yeah, and then it just evolved into learning about rehab and adding value to properties and the Burr strategy everyone's, you know, obviously familiar with. And then getting into multifamily and learning how to increase income. And then that evolved now, which literally we're just talking off air, or pivoting more into the short-term rental area just to increase that income. Because obviously, as we all know, you know, interest rates are rising and the cost of overheads is increasing. So, you know, you're always pivoting and learning more skills. And that's what I'm doing right now. And then a few years ago, I started the podcast and I'm just literally the way I approach it, honestly, is I'm constantly learning and growing. So I get people on to learn and I share that that journey with other first responders or anyone who's interested in learning. So I love it. How long have you been doing the podcast now? About three years now, I think. Three so years. It's been a few years. And the name of it, it's First Responders Wealth Network. Yeah, first Responders Wealth Network, real estate yeah. investing. I yeah. love it. I love it. So talk to me, why the the police journey? Like why did I get into policing? Yeah, yeah. Well, fire didn't take me, so it was my only other yeah. uh, no, but uh, <laughs> no, um, to be honest, so after high school, I took a year off, I traveled, I did like the backpacker thing. I went to Australia, I lived there for about six months. Oh, I love and it. Before I left, my parents said, okay, you can go do what you want to do, but when you come back, you're not just going to be a bum and want to go to school. So I picked um, investigations. So I was really interested in, in policing already at that point. And then when I came back, I did that. And then I went to university, kind of delayed stuff. But and then I applied and got in. So, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things where it was always a thought of mine, you know, being and I'll be completely transparent, you know, growing up, my parents and 
their education was always find a secure job with a pension and benefits. And so that was always drilled into me. Sure. I never, ever thought like, I'm going to not go to school and just start a business. We didn't really have that entrepreneurial kind of mindset. Ironically, even though my dad did own a number of pizza franchises, so he was essentially an entrepreneur. However, they still had that very conservative approach to things. So, but anyway, so yeah, that's how I started. And like I said, I still enjoy the job. We got a lot of crazy stories and it puts a toll on the body. And there's obviously a cap of what you can make. And I think the one thing I love about real estate and why I continue to do it while I'm still working full time is what it's been able to give me and my my family and you know now my fiance and literally even my own parents and family like they invest in some of the deals that I'm doing yes. you know and I'm giving them returns over the years that they're making more money now than they're retired than they were when they were making so it's like little things like that like feels good and you know I'm not saying I'm handing out six figure checks here and yeah, yeah. just it's just the the return on investment is definitely higher than what traditional investing looks like to ordinary people who maybe aren't aware of certain types of real estate investing strategies and opportunities. Yeah, I love it. And it, it's calculated risk, right? Like when you get to see a physical asset and get to see, you know, uh, a family member or friend that you can trust on, you know, it, it's typically a, a safer bet at the end of the day than hoping and praying that, you know, Elon Musk doesn't, you know, tweet something and mess up your stocks uh, the yeah, very yeah. next day. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have a, a lot more control. And to be honest, I, you know, I haven't really educated myself into the the stock market, yeah. different type of equity funds and like all that kind of stuff. So like, I really just listen, like I'm working full time, this, this bandwidth in my little brain can only handle so much. So I focus on a few things and I try and go deep in it. And then yeah. everything else, I just, I try not to distract myself because as we all know, we get distracted enough as it is. So I figure one or two, maybe three things I just focus on and just kind of stick the narrow path. Yeah, that's a good life lesson for anybody, I feel like. Totally, right? <laughs> yeah. So talk to me, was there anybody that actually inspired you to, you know, jump into real estate or any coworkers or somebody that was like, "Hey man, you got to check out these properties?" As far as real estate, I mean, I think books and like watching people, like I was yeah. a rich dad poor dad, that kind of like, you know, actual literature maybe sparked Planting some interest the seeds, on me, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But I always remember, I always go back to this one story where I was only on the job for a couple of years and I had a buddy of mine and he was a CEO of like a steel business at the time. He was a very young guy, but he was very successful. And he was a single dude and I was single at the time. He literally lived next door and I was living at my parents at the time. And he would take me on these badass trips. Like we would literally, we'd go to like Miami, we'd go to like Bahamas and we'd be like riding, you know, VIP and like five star. And it was crazy. And I'm like, I remember one specific time we're on the beach, we're in Bahamas at, um, what is it, the Atlantis there? Uh-huh. And uh, I'm like, dude, just let you know, you've totally ruined me for the rest of you know my vacations and traveling <laughs> yeah. for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I always remember this. And it takes like someone with knowledge and experience to actually come back with a, a response like this. And he goes, dude, he goes, I didn't ruin you. He goes, I'm hoping to inspire you. And it was like those words, I was like, I didn't really get it at the time, but yeah. as soon as you start learning about real estate, it's like, man, okay, here's a, you know, an opportunity or at least a route that I can go that can elevate my lifestyle if that's what I choose. And I'm not all about the glitz and the glam, but I love the time that it gives me. So yes. more money and more creation and wealth I can create, like I find it gives it gives you more experiences, more time, and more ability to like you know share with others and and that sort of thing. So yeah, that's so good. I love that. 
Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things that Jen and I love is the freedom, you know, and not being a slave to any, you know, having to clock in or whatever it may be, like just being able to have the financial freedom, but time freedom Mm -hmm. is huge. And if I'm sick or if I don't want to, you know, uh, wake up today, then I have that ability. Nine times out of 10, you end up working way harder than than you would have uh, before. But, you know, down the road, we got visions to be able to get more out of the business, which is awesome. And everyone has different motivation levels, I guess, or ambitions, right? I know some guys that just love cranking out the overtime and they don't even want to deal with any like type of maintenance or a property or just the idea. They just don't want to get on their radar. And I'm like, that's cool. That's completely fair. But I mean, you know, and then I know guys that just have a couple properties and never want to leave the job. And I mean, just having a couple properties like that, that can change your life by the time retirement comes around Oh yeah, or having, to, or having to pay for your kid's education, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. And then I got people that, you know, want to just leave the job. And you know, I see the opportunity if I'm willing to work is that's, that's my goal. Like I'm, I don't want to work shift work. I mean, they say the average shift worker takes eight to 10 years off their life. You know, I want mm-hmm. that time back, you know? Yeah. So that kind of stuff motivates me. Yeah. I love that. And I say it to everybody, like, even if you're not passionate about real estate or, uh, or whatever else around real estate. Like you don't want to go all in. Just like you mentioned, you know, some people can be totally okay and complacent with just having a few properties. And just mm-hmm. every single person, if they get just a few properties, it could be the game changer, right? Like the the Ooh. retirement plan, the extra income for a rainy day when needed. So all of that can be so so crucial in many ways, which I love. 100%. So talk to me when it comes down to leads. How are you typically getting your leads? So I just started using like batch leads, which yep. we don't have up here. So first off, up here in Canada, our privacy rights are, you know, there's a lot of red tape, well, pretty much in everything up here. Really? But, I didn't yeah, know that. So we, yeah, yeah. We can't access that that information. So the only, ac- the only information we can access is like MLS or I don't know, other people who can maybe do Kijiji and stuff or direct marketing. So you can do like Facebook ads or you can do like direct mail campaigns and that sort of thing. I've just been very fortunate of finding, again, my bandwidth is only so much, right, man? So I can only do so. So I don't have a real streamlined process for direct mail. So I have linked up with wholesalers. So I'll find, you know, some wholesalers, MLS. I still find deals on MLS, you know, and that those are pretty much the two MLS and wholesaling. There's only been one property that I've handed out and literally knocking door to door with Aaron. Actually, we were walking. And we, we found an off-market opportunity. So um, to answer your questions, wholesalers and literally just MLS. Yeah, I've done exactly the same thing. Coming down to building relationships and letting everybody know, being crystal clear on like what you need, right? Like what you're looking for, what you're not going to get and what you will get. And then letting everybody and their grandmother know so that eventually you yeah. start getting some leads coming in and then you can filter them out on a regular basis. That's a really valid point there is letting people know what, what it is that you're doing. Cause even yeah. like other agents, sometimes they'll just message me or text me or even, you know, reach out to me and just say like, Hey, we have this executive listing or we have this off market listing or Hey, like I know this person doesn't want to take it to market. So like little stuff like that, I'm not saying it works all the time and often, but you know, if it's one deal every so often, like, Hey, that's great. So yeah, so I love it. Definitely letting people know. So as far as numbers go, is there like a certain criteria of how you're running your numbers on, on certain projects that you want to look for and shoot for, AIM? Yeah. So what I've been focusing on up here has been converting, like conversions. So mm. whether it be three or four unit 
conversion. So taking larger single family homes and converting them into multiple units. And then I was actually flipping those. So my whole thing was, listen, if I can't make six figures on a flip, then it's not worth it for me. Now things have obviously tightened now. So things are getting more expensive. Materials yeah. getting more expensive. Like everything's taking longer. It seems like, yep. I don't know. It's just the snowball effect that we're all dealing with. So now I'm focusing on more holding my properties rather than flipping them. Cause obviously the yep. market took a shit. Yeah. So we're about like 20, 30, I don't know where you guys are all listening, but I know like my Scottsdale, Arizona area, they only dropped maybe like five, maybe 10%, you know, but up here we're 2030. So like we're significantly more and same down in, um, in Florida on the Gulf side, I'm looking at properties down there and they've dropped maybe 10%. So it's like, we've been hit a definitely harder up here. So to answer your question, it's kind of long winded here, but I often look for opportunities that I can get a perfect burr in or very little left into the deal. And that usually works on the flip side too. So for example, my goal might be to flip, but if for example, this situation occurs, I have exit two or exit B and I love to have multiple exit strategies. And I was telling you off air, the only time I did not have a multiple exit strategy, I got burned a little bit, like not, you know, crucified or anything, but just like it hurt because I didn't have that extra exit strategy. Yeah. I always preach it and I always did it, but you know, the opportunities there, the market's going so great and you want to cash in on it. And here we are. So, but yeah, I always look for, I can do a perfect burr or very close to, and luckily through my podcast and other areas, you know, I have other people that want to invest with me. So if, for example, you know, Hey, we got a hundred K left in this $1.2 million property. Does anyone want to jump on board and JV it with me? You know? So like I have those opportunities as well that I always think of and look at, but Luckily, I've been fortunate, even with what's happened, I can still bird out, pay back all my investors, my private investors, and own the property solo myself. Yeah, that's so good, man. You and me are very similar in that way. I always try to burr, but I truly believe that there's always, like, as real estate investors, we always go into a project with our goal A, right? And right. there's so many, I've never been a part of one project that hasn't had some kind of little miscellaneous or some kind of extra expense that has popped up every single time. Every you know? single time. Yeah. So you should anticipate it, but also have your plan B, C, D. Like I truly believe that when projects fail, it comes from the lack of either education or the backup plans, right? Like not mm-hmm. knowing, not being prepared with all the different tools on your belt to know, well, maybe I could do a cash out refinance or get creative, do seller financing, different opportunities to be able to protect yourself, really. 100%. And I think a a big portion of that is obviously experience and doing it. Um, Sure. Like I I learned more during the holy shit moments of (laughs) my two single family uh, flips than I did probably all the the easy going, you know, years of flipping because the market was just so great, right? Everyone's a rock star. What does Buffett say? Everyone, you know, everyone's swimming naked when the tide goes out or something. Yeah. But it's like, you know, and if you don't have, I find personally is that creative finance awareness, or at least a little bit of background rather than just like buy and hold or buy and flip. Like if you don't understand there's other creative opportunities to exit out of a deal or bring in a partner of a deal, like I think that's a huge like tool on your tool belt, maybe yeah, good way to call it to help yourself in advance. Right. Yeah, that's so good. And like you were mentioning, really staying kind of like focused, like we constantly investing in ourselves, right? And you do as well. We met at a mastermind group together. So we know 
in many cases, we hear the same thing over of like, all right, you should be doing this. And then sometimes we start slipping away. You know, we get caught up, I guess, in what the market was doing. And we get you, complacent. We get complacent. Yeah. Yeah. And so I personally just, you know, I, I know you just had that that little setback and it wasn't a murderous one or whatever, oh. but on a flip. And we're going through exactly the same thing right now that I really anticipated five hundred thousand dollar payout again, you know, Craziness. from the spring. Crazy. And yeah, and I mean, realistically, awesome. we were locked in for, you know, making 150K. And and then once they asked for 12K off after them doing due diligence and stuff yeah. i was like no way in hell you know yeah, yeah. but thinking about it instead of reaching out to my mentors or like the education and not getting complacent like realizing mm. what the market has done and need to yeah. update my holding costs are like close to eight grand a month right and, you know now i'm on a market for another month and a half two months who knows yeah yeah and so how biggest, smart is that you know <laughs> yeah and you know even talking to guys up here who actually aaron's working for he's he's a real real estate investor and a, an agent he owns his own team and whatnot sure he does a lot of you know apartment investing and he, he told me right from the beginning he's like don't chase the market he's like in, in this time you got to get ahead and it might burn but it hurt but the last thing you want to do is to have two or three weeks ago price and sit on the market and then change it and then change it and change it. You need to be aggressive. And it's just yes. one of those things. Otherwise you could be holding for a long time. And that's what we did. And we were lucky to get rid of it at, at the price that we did. But yep. even now, if we, you know, we're stubborn, like you're saying, like, oh yeah. no, you know, no, this will work or this will sell, or I don't want to sell at that price. You know, it would be, it would have been significantly less than what it is now. So yeah, it's just one of those things. You just got to keep moving forward and you can't dwell on it. It's like a bad tenant. You know, it's, this is like a perfect example. Like, Someone won't get into real estate because, oh, my uncle or my friend had a bad tenant. Well, that, yeah. is, that, that like little specific example is doesn't summarize all of real estate investing. You know oh, I mean? yeah. And I don't want to unclog toilets in the middle of the night. Like, exactly. I've yeah, never I've, done never done I've, I've never done that. I've never done, done I've never done a toilet in my life. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's just one of those things where you just got to keep moving, but you learn. But yeah, definitely yeah. have those skills on the tool belt. That's yeah. good, man. Talking about learning curves, um, anything else that really like lights you up and it's a good reminder not to do like it was a big smack to the face and you're like, I'll never make that mistake again for the listeners. Hmm. Well, there's so many. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, a recent one would be I just part. So I partnered on one of the flips that I did yeah. and I was the one that found the deal. I analyzed the deal. I brought in majority of the partners and they were like the working. So they already had like, they were the contractors. So I partnered with my contractors who essentially mm. do all my stuff. And it was just one of those things where I was a little bit complacent on, okay, I did my part. Now they do their part. And then by the time we got to the end, we were a little over budget, you know, it went a little longer, the market shifted. So it was like, oh, the perfect storm. But looking back and we all agreed, we had to sit down, we talked about it, you know, whatever, but it was like, we really need to kind of have, and this is for partnerships, I think is, yes. is what I learned out of it, is to have that like quarterly or semi-weekly meeting and to say, okay, where are we at? Where's our budget at? Yeah. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Because in hindsight, what we could have done is sold it at a certain point before it was completed. Yeah. And we probably could have made significantly more actually money on it than kind of waiting till it was, you know, completed. fully done. Yeah. yeah. So like, that's like a little thing. What was your question? Like kind of just like the lesson that maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Like any learning curves that you know that you're not going to make again that might be able to help out with the listeners. I think just keep moving forward. I mean, sure. and I think the devil is in the details. So I think like 
I personally find the more organized I get, the better of an investor I am. So like if you become lazy and complacent on the numbers, the accounting, the process, and don't really dial in those systems, things can get out of hand pretty quick. And I think that's been a big one early on was just really getting my team and dialing them in and getting specific roles for certain people, whether it's a bookkeeper, my accountant, or you know, my VA for my podcast or, you know what I mean? It's like all that stuff, like yes. getting systems in place rather than just like running around with your head cut off, even though I still feel like that a little bit, but for sure. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's levels to it. Like even, yeah. even when you're in the mix of it, like eventually though, it's going to, you're going to start getting the time back and the systems yeah. in place, which is good. But the biggest one I, I find a learning curve and I haven't, it's not like I've experienced a tremendous loss or anything, but I've seen so many first responders where they get a divorce or they have a death in their family, God forbid, or, you know, they have a tragic event, uh, whether it be an injury, whatever the case, and that income gets reduced significantly, whether it be in their retirement years or literally having a pension and it get taken away. You know what I mean? I just, I just ran into this from somebody, a, a client that was coming to me and she, she was anticipating it in two years to retire and get her pension, full pension. And they ended up letting her go and she's wow. getting like not even a third of it or, or oh a quarter of See, it. Like those are the type of situations where I, it's these horrible. are the conversations I literally have with people at work and they're like, that'll never happen. That'll yeah. never happen. And, and you don't know. The strongest in, you know, in, yeah. in North America, you know, and it might be, but like, I pray take, for it. I pray you know, for like, you, you know, after going through COVID and seeing what has happened, whether it be the money printing closing things down, you know, rules and regulations or mandates that are forced on us, you know, it's one of those things where I'm now believe that anything is possible. So it's completely up to us to take care of ourselves and not rely on anyone or anything. So that's my motivating factor, really. Yeah. I like this saying, like, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And because when you really put all your eggs in one basket, like a pension that is, I mean, anything could have, they could come up with any BS excuse why they're not going to give it to you, why you're not going to get it. And if you're all in like, well, you're counting your eggs before they hatch type of thing. It's like, you know, be careful, be careful. I always remember Cardone had a good quote and I remember he was saying along the lines of something good happens to you is your fault. If something bad happens to you, it's your fault. No matter what happens in your life, it's your fault. So it's like, for example, you know, I just don't even know some examples, but basically anything that happens is is your responsibility. So yeah, stop pointing the finger. Yeah, Yeah. the pension or you lose a job. Like what other B or exit strategies, just like investing in real estate, do you have with your own income and your own family's income? So yeah, um, that kind of stuff really hits home to me and I really live by. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, I mean, you were mentioning with starting to set up meetings and having like routine checkups and everything. We read a few months ago, uh, the book Traction, and it really started unlocking so much for us because it really helped us set up like our accountability chart and like all the different moving players, who's responsible for what, and then making sure that, you know, we have weekly meetings, go over what was done last week, but also what are the main priorities for this week to get done? Like what's heavy on us? Just one, two or three things. And everybody's held accountable to be able to get you know, move the boat forward. Right. And that's what it's about. Yeah. It's keeping your head in the game and, and having those meetings is one thing, but surrounding yourself with people who are like, like-minded, that's another, that's another big learning curve for me too, is I always make sure that I'm yeah. a part of a group or part of meetups or something online, like masterminds and that sort of thing yep. to, to keep the wheels turned forward or moving. Yeah. 
I think that's a huge part too. like investing in yourself for mastermind groups, getting around other like-minded people. Like I've been a part of other mastermind groups that just being very blunt that not any that you know or anything, but that like weren't good. And like the guy was like a scam person, right? But I still made amazing relationships. I still got the value out of it. I've never been a part of any mastermind that I didn't take a tremendous amount of value and get an ROI. And that's why like in the beginning, it was scary as hell. Like, you know, five, 10, 20, 30 grand. It was like, oh, and like this year we invested over 250K into ourselves. And and like not even really thinking about it. We were just like, yeah, let's do it. Because I know the room I'm going to be put into and the surrounding, the ROI, I can't wait for the relationships, the connections, the knowledge is good by all means. I don't want to discount the knowledge. The knowledge is great. A lot of the knowledge you can get out there, but surrounding yourself with these next level individuals. I mean, that's how we met, you know? So I I think there's power behind that. hundred percent. And at the end of the day, you got to execute on it, right? I mean, you can read all the books, you know, YouTube and podcasts (laughs) and stuff and, and even surround yourself with great people and pay for it. But at the end of the day, you got to produce, right? So People always want the easy way out, but at the end of the day, you got to grind, you know, yep. and I'm not saying you got to grind 24 hours a day and not sleep and whatever, but you just got to put in the work, you know? Yeah. So, and sometimes it takes longer than others. And, you know, I'm a very conservative, you know, hesitant at times person. Like I'm not an all in kind of just let's just fucking roll. Yeah. And, and to be honest, if I was, I'd probably not be working right now, but yeah. that's just my nature and I realize it and I'm okay with it, you know? So, but yeah, man, it's, it's a powerful thing surrounding yourself with with people who are ahead of you or years ahead of you. Yeah. I also, I want to touch base on this because I feel like a lot of people get caught up in wanting to be like the entrepreneur and like quit their job right away. Mm-hmm. And by all means, if, if you hate your job, if like you feel drained and you're not feeling fulfilled and it's just like wasting time, your life, and you're just miserable, then yeah. by all means, maybe you should find a different occupation, right? But mm-hmm. But like, if you love your job, enjoy it, And also think about, I'm sure like over the 11 years working, making an impact and helping out the community, not just feeling fulfilled that way, but also I'm sure it has helped you in many ways with loans or real estate in general credibility, like having consistency and having something to like lean back on just in case, right? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it's definitely a fulfilling job and it's got its perks and that sort of thing, but it it all depends on where you're at, you know? Um, this job, I mean, I'm just talking from a first responder perspective. Sure. Like a lot of people don't understand the day-to-day operations that we deal with. And there are other jobs that, you know, like doctors and even like labor workers, like sometimes we just don't understand the kind of labor that they're doing. But the stuff that like we're exposed to, like it really affects people differently. Yeah. And, you know, I've been fortunate. I don't know. I've just I just go to work and I come home and I just do my thing. But like some people, it it really, really hits home and it can affect them mentally. Yeah. And I think like there's some pros and cons to, to the job, but I still love the job. I'm still fortunate to enjoy it. I mean, I hate the freaking shift work and it's starting to eat up at me a little bit more the last few years than it has ever before because I'm maybe I'm getting older. But, um, <laughs> you know, just one of those things where you take advantage at times, you know, and be fortunate of others. And sometimes the feedback kind of motivates you and the people that you help, obviously. You know, it's a great feeling sometimes. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, me personally, I didn't have any like a major occupation or anything. I was working in restaurants when I first got started in real estate. But I tell you what, if I wasn't and I went all in on myself as I was trying to build up my rental portfolio doing the birth strategy, yeah, yeah. like how far would that 
I would really have to get creative, AKA I would really need to be more knowledgeable. And in the beginning, let's face it, like you're going to get more knowledgeable as you take action and you start going through the process. You can read all the books, podcasts, YouTube. I mean, I know I did. I tried, you know, for two years and at the end of the day, I was still making mistakes or making exceptions, even though I read it in a book or podcast like this dozens of times not to do it. Well, this contractor, he seems all right. I can give him the cash, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he sent me some pictures. You know? Yeah. And at the end at the end of the day, we're always learning from people who have done it, right? I mean, yeah. that's why, like, you know, not trying to do it your first time on your own. And that's why I love, like, what Aaron and I are doing right now is we're doing the, getting into the short-term rental stuff. And we're, for a lot of us Canadians and first responders, you know, we're all... I mean, anyone, I shouldn't just say first responders, but like anyone's <laughs> trying to grow their portfolio and, you know, have a little extra cash flow and maybe yeah. they pocket it and it's like, great. Okay. I got an extra cash flow. And, but you're building that wealth over time in the background. And the one thing I find now is, you know, getting into the short-term rental world and this isn't anything new, but it's new to, to us yep. and, you know, definitely new to Canadians, I guess, some who aren't exposed to it would be like, you know, getting great places in, in Southern areas that you can have a short-term rental and actually a vacation spot if you want to go visit it. So, I mean, like there's a perfect example of, like you said, you're doing the birds and you're growing the, the portfolio over time and maybe you're making some mistakes, but having a property that you can not only create wealth off of over time and get higher income off of, but literally have a place to go visit that impacts you now. Yes. You know, so you know, I know a lot of the short term is like a big thing right now. It's kind of like a hot topic, but there's a reason for it because it's working. And yep. yeah, so just something I just kind of wanted to share that I think that's going to impact people now versus like only your mindset of I'm going to grow properties in 30 years from now. It's going to yeah. out, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it could definitely be a, a heck of a lot sooner if you get more creative, do short term and so forth, which is awesome. Yeah, right. So cool, man. Talk to me. What does the future look like for you guys? I know you also have a webinar coming up, which is uh, pretty exciting. Yeah. So kind of running off from that, I guess. Yeah. We're doing a webinar. It's cross-border investing and short-term rentals, September 15th, 8 p.m. Eastern time. So what is that? 5 p.m. Uh, your time? Yep. Yeah. I'll give you the link. It's 911wealthnetwork.com forward slash Arizona. And that's where we're focusing on right now. Also, we're focused on Florida, but uh, yeah, we're going to just, for people who are cross-border, I know your audience, I think a majority of them is maybe in the US, so yep. they'll definitely still get a lot of information and value out of it because we're going to talk a lot about Arizona and why we like Arizona. Yes. It's not just Scottsdale where we are. There's a lot of surrounding areas that are great short-term rental properties oh, yeah. and markets. You know, As you know, half your freaking state's moving elsewhere and- uh, yeah. It's heartbreaking, man, but we're we're all very close anyway. So it's cool to get a little bit of space. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. But yeah, there's a lot of, you know, great opportunities there, a lot of growth there. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. But again, just kind of going back to what I said, just the ability of people exposing the opportunities of whether you're in the States or not, short-term rentals, what they can provide. And the piece there that I love, it's not just short-term rentals and I'm getting higher cash flow. I mean, we can all figure out probably in our own backyard doing short-term rentals. But yeah. it's the piece, especially for us Canadians and well, anyone who just wants a place to go visit. Like if you're into golf or you like the beach, I mean, maybe Florida is a great spot to do, you know, do some education and really find out what a good market is and do the short term rentals. And why not have a place you can go visit once or twice a year for free and it's going to pay for itself. Plus, you're going to get income in your pocket and it's going to you know grow over the years. So and that's what I was talking about, having that impact now where you can actually enjoy it now. Like yeah. I don't go down to my 
my three unit and go sit in one of the units and say like, I'm in downtown Hamilton here. This is awesome. This is a steel <laughs> town. You know what I mean? So that's exciting me right now is the ability to have some places in various locations that we want to go travel to. Oh, yeah. Um, in addition to just the stuff that we're already doing. So, yeah, that's good. And I'm really excited myself to just tune in simply for, you know, identifying the locations can be very crucial. And there is definitely a, a huge upswing the last several years, and it's even projected to keep going in, in places like Arizona. So even when the rest of the market, the rest of the world is kind of having some setbacks, right? Yeah. Some little corrections, you know, Arizona is barely getting touched and projected to do much better. So it's yeah. exciting to see the job growth, population growth, something unique in the area and all the different unique factors, right? But you guys will be able to dive in and share more. So it's going to be a webinar on the 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern time, Correct. 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. People can register at, what is it, 911wealthnetwork.com yep, forward, com slash, forward Arizona. slash Arizona. Or Let's if go. they follow me on Instagram, Dave Nighters, they'll be able to. So D-A-V-E-K-N-I-G-H-T-E-R. I'll pop the link up there every once in a while on my stories to so you can find it, find it that way as well. Cool, man. Is that the best way people should get a hold of you? IG or any other locations? Yeah, I think Instagram is, cool. you know, I'm, I'm on that all the time or just, just go to 911wealthnetwork.com yeah. and you can connect with me through there as well. Love it, dude. Well, I appreciate you, man. You are a wealth of knowledge and just super <laughs> exciting to see, you know, where you're, you've come from to where you're at now and really the projected future. It's going to be crazy. So we'll have to have you on in the future. But congrats to all the success, man. Appreciate you, dude. I appreciate you. And actually, before I go, I'm selfishly yeah. going to ask. Actually, one of the things we're talking about in the webinar is, you know, financing and a lot of people, especially cross border, are wondering like, how the heck do I get financing? So we're going to talk about asset based lending and, and what's required and whatnot. But so I'm a dual citizen. So I'm actually just growing my credit right now in the US yes. to kind of take advantage of that. But yeah, I'm going to talk to you later because I'm very interested in building my credit the best yeah. and quickest way I can in the US. So definitely going to pick your brain on that a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. I got you, bro. I got you. Okay, All right, guys. Cool. Well, I appreciate you so much for tuning in. As always, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you get the newest notification every single Monday. The Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. Leave that five-star review. Greatly appreciate all the love and support and sharing this out, tagging somebody in that needs to see it. Sharing is caring. You guys know that. As always, if you guys want to reach out to me, you can always do so on Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. If you need any credit repair done for you services, check out creditrepairmobile.com. Otherwise, if you're really looking to get educated with credit, I'm talking like understanding how the banks and lenders are judging you so you know how to play the game, like real life monopoly, fix credit faster than anyone in the industry, whether it's a bankruptcy, 100K worth of debt, collections, you name it, hard inquiries. We can show you how to remove things very, very quickly. Afterwards, be able to show you how to build up, get to the 800 club, get several six figures in funding, even seven figures in funding on the personal and business side. Let's go. Then after you have all the funding from these banks at 0% interest, we'll show you how to leverage it, purchasing properties with credit, doing hard money lending, private money lending, you name it, whatever the goals are, we'll show you how to fund it with credit. If you're interested in that, check out creditcounselelite.com. That's www.creditcounselelite.com. And we would be honored to be able to educate you and uh, really show you how the banks are doing it and how you can do it too. All right, guys. Till next time. Dave, appreciate you so much, brother. It was a blessing to have you on and we'll see you guys next time. Great seeing you guys too. Thanks, man. This has been another
another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.